get to the bottom of what's truly healthy in this crazy, complex world. So you can take back what is rightfully yours. Welcome to the Health Sovereign Podcast. This is your host, Logan Christopher. Welcome. Today we're trying something a little bit new. If you follow my work in a couple different places, you may have seen my medical monopoly musings writings. In fact, I've used bits and pieces of these on this podcast before. But today I'm going to be reading two whole issues or two whole articles from this that cover some of the crimes of Johnson and Johnson. I may continue this going forward. We'll see how I like it. So right now I'm posting these uh, musings, these writings to Facebook and Instagram. They also go out as emails to Lost Empire Herbs subscribers, Uh, but figured this might be another good channel. I'm putting in the work to do these, so why not read them out loud and put them out this way as well. I know some people have more time to listen to things and prefer to do so than to actually go and read them. So we'll be trying this out, see how it goes. If you enjoy it, please do let me know. Let's dive in. Medical Monopoly Musings, number 38. Serial Criminal, Johnson & Johnson. With Johnson & Johnson, we see $4.2 billion in penalties paid out since 2000. This includes off-label or unapproved promotions, 10 records for $3.1 billion, false claims acts violations, 12 records for $558 million. Safety violation, 11 records for $407 million. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violation, 3 records for $70 million. Price fixing, 1 record for $60 million. Started in the 1880s, Johnson & Johnson made its name in various household products such as shampoo, band-aids, and baby powder. It went on to acquire many pharmaceutical and medical device companies. Tylenol was its biggest seller, representing one-third of its profit in 1982. When someone replaced capsules inside the bottle with ones laced with cyanide in Chicago, seven people died. Johnson & Johnson immediately went to the media to tell people to stop taking their product. They issued a nationwide recall to determine the extent of the problem. This is regarded as one of the great cases of a corporation doing the right thing at tremendous cost to itself. They acted to save the public, and they bounced back quickly because of doing so. And this is where tamper-proof bottles became a thing. Yet, as we'll see in the next post, Johnson & Johnson was hiding evidence of harm in other products as early as the 1970s with its popular baby powder. Still, I think it's important to point out that with Johnson & Johnson, that the criminality has gotten worse with time. This is bound to happen when you realize that corruption expands over time in any large institution. One of the biggest criminal pharmaceutical company cases occurred in 2013. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion in fines for marketing the antipsychotic Risperdal. They marketed that drug for unapproved usages, paid doctors kickbacks, and encouraged off-label usage. Then Attorney General Eric Holder said they, quote, recklessly put at risk the health of some of the most vulnerable members of our society, including young children, the elderly, and the disabled. It constituted a clear abuse of the public trust, showing a blatant disregard for systems and laws designed to protect public health. As our filings make clear, these are not victimless crimes, end quote. 
Alex Gorski was VP of Sales and Marketing when that false marketing was being perpetrated. Instead of being held liable, he got promoted to his still current position as CEO in 2012. Under his leadership, Johnson & Johnson played a role in the opioid crisis for which they were ordered to pay $572 million to Oklahoma. Judge Balkman said Johnson & Johnson spread, quote, false, misleading, and dangerous marketing campaigns that had caused exponentially increasing rates of addiction, overdose, deaths, end quote. Appeals and other court cases are ongoing in the opioid epidemic. And let's not forget that $21.4 million criminal penalty for bribes to government officials in Greece, Poland, and Romania, as well as kickbacks to Iraq. Included in this were charges of conspiracy, because, you know, any conspiracy theories about Big Pharma are automatically dismissed by most, yet here is proof of one of them. There's so much more. In 2008, Johnson & Johnson engaged in a phantom recall. Their Motrin IB capsules were not dissolving, so they hired contractors to buy up the product off store shelves that's not going through official recall methods. They paid out $2.5 billion to 8,000 people with flawed hip implants and $117 million for dangerous pelvic mesh surgeries. Next time, the big cancer-causing baby powder debacle. Medical Monopoly Musings number 39, Johnson & Johnson's Asbestos Baby Powder. Some people think conspiracies can't exist because someone would talk. Well, this one only took half a century to come to light. Late in 2019, Johnson & Johnson recalled 33,000 bottles of its baby powder. The FDA finally found cancer-causing asbestos inside. Johnson & Johnson claimed that they had stringent tests, never found asbestos, and that it was safe. Except that concerns had been raised back as early as 1971 and many times since. New York Times reported, quote, an executive at Johnson & Johnson recommended to senior staff in 1971 that the company upgrade its quality control of talc. Two years later, another executive raised a red flag saying the company should no longer assume that its talc mines were asbestos-free. In hundreds of pages of memos, executives worried about a potential government ban of talc, the safety of the product, and a public backlash over Johnson's baby powder, a brand built on a reputation for trustworthiness and health, end quote. Even the smallest amounts of asbestos are considered carcinogenic, being linked to mesothelioma and ovarian cancer. Did Johnson & Johnson pull their products like they did with the laced Tylenol as covered last time? No. They covered it up every possible way they could. In 1976, Arthur Langer at the Mount Sinai Medical Center found asbestos and talcum powders. The president of Mount Sinai issued a news release to say that they were older powders and new ones were safe, though that wasn't the case. You see, Mount Sinai received funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, started in the early 1970s with $1.2 billion of Johnson & Johnson stock. Johnson & Johnson CEO Philip Hoffman also served on the foundation board. Philanthropy obviously can be used for good, and philanthropy can be used for power and control, especially to protect profits. Johnson & Johnson put pressure on the FDA to not release what it deemed, quote, untrue information, end quote. This despite scientists reporting incontrovertible asbestos or asbestos fiber counts that seemed rather high. They pressed the FDA to use a subpar method that wouldn't detect amounts under 1%, which FDA officials were okay with. 
an internal Johnson & Johnson memo marked strictly confidential from a research director says how science was to be handled. Quote, our current posture with respect to sponsorship of talc safety studies has been to initiate studies only as dictated by confrontation. This philosophy so far has allowed us to neutralize or hold in check data already generated by investigators who question the safety of talc. The principal advantage for this operating philosophy lies in the fact that we minimize the risk of possible self-generation of scientific data, which may be politically or scientifically embarrassing." End quote. Reuters reported, quote, an early 1970s study of 1,992 Italian talc miners shows how it worked. Johnson & Johnson commissioned and paid for the study, told the researchers the results it wanted, and hired a ghostwriter to redraft the article that presented the findings in a journal, end quote. And that is how you control the scientific consensus. Do you think they're the only ones to successfully do so? It's taken almost 50 years for this to now be publicly accepted, even though Johnson & Johnson continues to spin it. Deny, deceive, delay. Back in February this year, a New Jersey jury ordered Johnson & Johnson to pay $750 million to four people who said that Johnson & Johnson's baby powder gave them cancer. More court cases are coming. From baby powder to opioids, where Oklahoma State Attorney Brad Beckworth called them the kingpin of the pharmaceutical industry cartel, Johnson & Johnson has got their hands in a lot. Now they're branching into new territory. Despite this track record, or because of it, they just received a record-breaking $456 million contract to be one of the saviors coming to protect us all with a new upcoming vaccine. That's two issues of Medical Monopoly Musings that covered Johnson & Johnson. I figured since I have you here, I might as well give a couple additional thoughts on top of it. Well, it's important to note that today, as of I'm recording this, is May 20th. Yesterday, New York Times came out with a new article saying that Johnson & Johnson is ceasing its North American sales of talc-based baby powder. They also have a cornstarch version, which will still be available. But notice that it is ceasing North American sales. They're not stopping production. This is a pattern I see with pharmaceutical companies where, okay, over here we have these court cases. We have this public awareness that is growing. Let me ask you, though, does asbestos only cause cancer in North Americans or will it cause cancer in anybody? Well, they're still going to continue to sell it elsewhere. This is something, as I said, we see with pharmaceutical companies. What comes to mind is Bayer. They had a product called Factor 8. It was a blood product, and it was contaminated with HIV. This became public knowledge. They stopped selling it here, and they still shipped it overseas. That's Bayer for you. What do you expect from a company that came out of Nazis? And, you know, that word Nazi is thrown around a lot. Unjustifiably so in many cases in today's modern landscape. But look at the history of Bayer. Not something I've covered yet in the medical monopoly, but I'm sure we will be going there in due time. IG Farben, how that got broken up, literally coming out of Nazi scientists. So what would you expect? These are the actions going on. 
I ended that medical monopoly musing with Johnson & Johnson talking a little bit about the vaccine for the novel coronavirus. They're one of the many, many, many players that are in the race to develop this in order to save us all. I haven't looked too much into their specific vaccine, how it differs from all the other ones out there, really lots of interesting stuff going on here. But one thing that is interesting for people that are aware of Event 201, who was there? One of the top guys from Johnson & Johnson. Now, I'm not going to say what this means. I'm going to leave that to you to figure out. But I'd say that Johnson & Johnson, being this huge company, being there at this event, there's a good chance that their vaccine could come out on top. So we'll be looking into detail on that in the future. Johnson & Johnson, they're involved in so many things, from band-aids to baby powders to opioids to vaccines. And with this kind of track record, do you trust them? Do you want to continue using their products? Well, you might find there's actually quite a few of them in your home. Go and look around your bathroom, for instance, and see how much comes from Johnson & Johnson. And then, your choice. Do you want to continue to support them? That's up to you. And of course, you know, one product is not another, and not everyone at the company deserves to be called a criminal like this. Of course, many good people there, but we see that some of the leadership, maybe not so much. Thanks for listening. This is the Health Sovereign Podcast, detailing in some of the medical monopoly and what goes on, because they have the consensus worldview going on, and only when we can step away from that can we begin to truly be health sovereign, to take our health back into our own hands and get great results. Talk to you next time. Do you want to take this mind and apply it to your health one-on-one? -on -one? Learn how to activate a superpower level of health with a systems approach and finally understand why your health may not be where you want it to be, despite or perhaps because of living in the information age. I've got limited spots available in my coaching program. Find out more and apply at virtuousvitality.com.